Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to another episode of the Anxiety Wad Podcast. I'm your host, Corey. I want to thank you for joining me once again on day 3,172 of quarantine. No, I'm just kidding. It's not that bad, honestly. For us, it's not that big of a lifestyle change. Um, it's given me a little bit more appreciation for the extra time we have with my family. Um, you know, today we went out and did some, my, my son got a metal detector for Christmas. And so we kind of went out and um, kind of looked around, did some digging, found a bunch of nails, found a couple of really old beer cans, um, the ones that would you'd pull the tab off. It's kind of weird. But anyways, it went really well. Um, went outside, it was a little nicer out. And I don't know, I, I kind of got a, a weird outlook on this and you know obviously with the virus it's extremely bad and it's extremely serious and uh, you know if you're going outside and you're not listening um and and doing stuff you're you're not supposed to then i I don't know you you got to take this stuff seriously if you if you really read what's in the medical journals and in in the science behind what's going on instead of listening to the media and you know if you're on twitter excuse me here i got stuff on my microphone if, you got, if you're on Twitter or listening to the media or, you know, politics aside, this is serious. Like you're going to, if you get this, there is a good high chance that you're going to die. And I don't mean to scare you if you're someone that has anxiety within, you know, health. But if you do, prepare yourself. Like just stay inside, stay away, go get groceries, but, you know, wear a mask, be safe, take it seriously there is a very serious risk to this disease. Now, that being said, you got two choices. You can look at this as something that has ruined your life. Um, Obviously, there's some financial cost to what's going on, and and that's real. I understand that. But there's always something to be thankful for. There is always something to be thankful for. If you don't have the virus right now, that's one thing to be thankful for. And stop at that and really appreciate that simple fact because what happens is like yeah i'm not sick but yeah i'm i have extra time with my family but just stop before you get to the but and acknowledge the things that you can be thankful for so often that we get down the road past the real things that we need to be grateful for because we add that but to it however to it yet to it and so it's very important to appreciate and really kind of wrap your head around what you do have to gain from this situation. For me, it's it's extra time with my kids, you know, and, and my wife. You know, things have changed and, you know, being someone that's always out and about and busy and at the gym socializing, you know, that part has changed. But I don't really focus on that because I can't do anything about it. You know, I always, I always say on this podcast, like, focus on what you can control and work on how to best navigate that realm if i'm spending all of my time worrying about not being able to be at the gym i'm going to be miserable and and it's worrying about something i can't control it's not up to me if i go to the gym or not gym's closed you know it's like trying to stop the sun from coming up using my jedi mind tricks it just there's there's no point in doing it and i really understand like the financial i've i've been broke. I've been poor. I've been $25,000 in debt with credit cards. So I get the financial strain, but still as hard as it may be, look for those little things because they're all over your life. Gratitude, 
Gratitude is the number one thing that I recommend to people when I start working with them. You know, there's all kinds of sayings and all kinds of different ways to say it, but the more things that you acknowledge that you are grateful for, the more things you will have to be grateful for, the more you will see. Right now, we trained ourselves to be fearful, to be worrisome, to find things that generate this terrible situation in our life, in our mind. It's a habit. And just like that habit, we can create a habit of gratitude, an attitude of gratitude, a way of looking at things in our life and being thankful, a way of saying, hey, yeah, this may be terrible that I'm not making money to make my bills, but I don't have the virus. Yeah, it sucks that I don't get to go out and socialize and go to the bar and see my friends, but I'm not hooked up to a ventilator. I'm not exposing my family and friends to the virus. I'm not not asymptomatic and, and, and bringing this around to people in my life that are vulnerable. So it's a mindset shift and it is hard, but it takes practice. And just like we've become this habitual thinking of worry, worry and, and, and negativity and, and fear, you can retrain your brain to think in a different way. If you look at it as a habit, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's simple, but it's easier than trying to overcome this thing that has become your life. Just like brushing our teeth has become this habit we really don't think about. We, we really don't think about the point that we get to being anxious. But what happens is we, we are, we're all of a sudden there. And so the episode today is going to be talking about acknowledging those physical symptoms, those psychological symptoms, those behavioral things that we do before we get to the point of panic. And so I think it's important to, when, when this stuff, and, I, and I'll talk about how I know when my anxiety is coming up or how I knew when I was like, oh crap, here we go. And, and it was a way that I got to the point of being able to manage my anxiety. And so for me, my anxiety would always start in my stomach. You know, when you get scared and you kind of get that, woof, that butterfly in your stomach thing, that's where mine would start. And then it would quickly move up into my heart. My heart would just start pounding. And that, that was the thing I would most latch onto is that pounding heart because it would, it would be kind of like right in my collarbone, feel it in my neck area. And it always just kind of freaked me out. And so I would end up freaking myself even more, um, because it was right, right there. And it felt like it was just about to pop out of my, out of my chest, out of my neck. And then the thing would happen with my face. I'd get a little like not tingling, but it would feel like that. Kind of like when you get a migraine and you get a little numbness in your face. Um, but then my, my lips would do this thing where they would like, like tense up and they would be like straight. And I always felt like people could see that. And then I would have like really shallow breathing. And then it was just like, I was there, I'm in it. I'm falling down this, this bottomless pit that I can't stop myself from falling. And so when I started to heal, I would note when that stuff started to come up. And it was just a technique that I had learned in therapy and it would just be like, okay, note the physical symptoms. When you, when we would talk about these things and, and go over the things that were causing me anxieties, like, where are you feeling this? And I never really understood it until like towards the end of therapy sessions, um, that I was in, like, I think it was three months in, he'd be like, okay, so this is what I'm doing. I'm, I'm trying to get you to acknowledge the physical symptoms where they're at. So when you get to a point that you're going into a situation that you know, you're going to be anxious, you can expect those things to happen and, um, deflate them by saying, okay, here comes my anxiety. 
And, and as I've said before on the show is, is that once you name what's going on with you as anxiety, it loses some of its power. Now it might not be a lot of power when you're starting out, but for me now, when, if, if something comes up that gets that stomach going or gets my heart pumping, I'm like, okay, there's my anxiety. And it's, it's habitual enough for me where everything kind of calms down. Or I know, okay, this is going to happen in about a minute to two minutes. I'm going to be fine. So it's, it's almost like it's, it, it's a habit now in the other sense of the matter where it used to be just a habitual boom, I'm there. And I didn't really realize that my stomach, then my throat with the heartbeat and then my mouth. And then, you know, it, it's, it wasn't as conscious as it is now. It, it wasn't like a, um, a prem, not a premonition, but it wasn't as forecasted. I, I go into situations knowing those things are going to happen so I can prepare for them. And when they happen, when I'm not prepared for them, I can just be like, okay, there comes my anxiety. I know what's going to happen next. And so what I want to do is talk about some of the physical symptoms. And these are the most common ones. Um, the heart pounding, like I mentioned, um, the flushing in the face is probably what I felt. And I, I feel this a lot when I do talk in front of people and I don't even acknowledge it because I just know it's part of the, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get warm when I get up there and it'll, it'll go away. But your face feels flush and, you know, shortness of breath. When, when we are anxious, we breathe up in our chest rather than with our stomach. And I've talked about this as well, where if, you, if you're someone that, um, slowing down and f like feeling your breath helps. What you want to do is sit up straight in a chair or lay on the floor. Um, what worked out best for me is I would lay on the floor by my couch and put my knees or not my knees, my feet up on the couch, kind of in a 90 degree. So my back was on the floor, my, my legs were up on the couch and I would put my hand on my belly button and feel my stomach rise and fall. And I would consciously like take big um, over-exaggerated breaths just to get as much oxygen in, in my body as I could. Um, and I would hold my breath as soon as I would take a big inhale. And I would kind of like help myself over-oxygenate because when I would panic, I would under-oxygenate. And that creates more flushing, more shortness of breath. And then another symptom, which is dizziness. Like, like when we hold our breath and we let it out or if we... <clears throat> sit like we go from sitting to standing sometimes we get dizzy um and if you're someone that your anxiety caused dizziness that can freak you out so knowing that okay when i get up i'm gonna feel a little bit dizzy when i get up to speak you can kind of hold on to that podium you can kind of hold on to your desk you can kind of i've done this before too is if i'm standing next to something i will put my leg kind of touching it so i know that i can ground myself into something that's going to be like okay i know that's there if i do fall I'm going to fall into that. I don't worry about what is everybody going to think if I fall. I'm like, they're probably going to be concerned. So, I mean, if I fall, I fall. So hopefully I don't hit my head. <laughs> and that's become, um, over time, that's just become something that I kind of laugh at myself about. And it extinguishes some of the intensity of that anxiety of passing out in front of a group of people. Next up, sweating. Um, I gave up a long, long time ago about worrying about pit stains. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're going to sweat if you're someone that's anxious. Um, I don't so much anymore, but it is like a natural reaction to stress. Like your body just, you know, if you're flush, if you have shortness of breath and you're dizzy, along comes sweat. Um, another one is a headache and that's more of a tension thing. Um, I wear a night guard every night still because I grind my teeth when I sleep. And it's a function of both having anxiety and chronic pain, um, especially nerve pain. It's just something that happens with people with nerve pain as they, they grind their teeth while they sleep. 
And so um, I get tension headaches from time to time. And if I do, I know, okay, I need to be more aware of what I'm doing with my teeth. I chew a lot of gum, uh, mainly because I, I do grind my teeth if I don't. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's headaches are, are, are a symptom, a physical symptom of anxiety. Dry mouth, everybody's probably had that. That's listen to the show. It's like, why is there no water in my mouth? And I feel like I have been chewing on sand, right? So, you know, I, I carry water with me wherever I go, just in case. Uh, I, I don't have this symptom as much anymore, but when I was in prime time television for panic attacks, all the time, dry mouth. Stomach pains, this can be related to stress and, and ulcers or um, overactive uh, stomach acid. When you're stressed out, and this is what causes ulcers all the time, is that you, you get overactive and your, your stomach acid kind of builds up and pops and starts wearing this hole in your stomach. And, you know, when, when you do get stressed out, that stuff gets overactive and it can cause some stomach pains. Nausea, you know, just kind of feeling a little like barfy. And that's like when you get scared and, and you can feel that, that butterfly in your stomach kind of feeling or just nauseated. And it's just, it's another physical symptom that is caused by anxiety. And another wonderful one is diarrhea. Now, I was fortunate not to have this one, but it can be caused again through your stomach acid. And this is why I've talked on the show about gut health and how important that is. Because if you're anxious and you add in uh, an unhealthy gut, it's kind of a recipe for disaster for uh, ulcers and diarrhea and digestive issues. So eating healthy, eating clean, staying away from acidic foods is really going to help you out if you're someone that does to have some stomach issues. Plus, it's just good for you. You know, you feel good, you live good, feel good, you know, good in, good out. Um, muscle aches, joint pains. Um, I, I did get that, and especially in my chest. Um, and, and just kind of a throw this in there. I'm planning on doing a long, longer episode and just telling my complete story. I've had this requested for quite a while and I've just been putting it off <laughs> and something's come up recently that I'll talk about at the end of the show. But, um, for me, I, I would have these chest pains and that was the, the crux of my anxiety was these chest pains. And as soon as I would feel those, it was like, boom, panic attack. And I'll get farther into that, but muscle and joint ache, joint pain, um, is, is a tension thing, right? If our muscles are tense, they're going to pull on different areas and they're going to create some soreness. Um, restlessness is something that I dealt with firsthand. And I, you know, fortunately in the last three years, I've been to a point where I can get to sleep. Um, it's something I, I was on Tylenol PM, Advil PM, melatonin, you name it. I've taken it. Teddy bear tea, you guys know it's like a eucalyptus tea with some melatonin in it. It's got like a sleepy little teddy bear on the front cover of it. I used to take that tea. Uh, yeah. So fortunately I found something that has worked, which is CBD helps me get to sleep at night. Um, if you get any questions on that, there is an episode of the show that talks about CBD almost the whole time. And then the inability to relax. And that's kind of a given. So your body's always on the move. You can't really sit still, <clears throat> especially when you're anxious. Um, and you know when that is like, you know, that you just like, if I sit still, I just don't feel comfortable. I feel like I got to do something hundred miles an hour. It's like, okay, I got to slow down. All right. So those are the main physical symptoms. And, and what the important part of that is, is some of those that, you know, are tied to your anxiety when they pop up, be like, Oh, okay. There's my anxiety. It's manifesting itself in my chest. It's pounding. That's just my anxiety, right? It's not my actual heart. And hopefully if you guys are worried about that, you go to the doctor, get it checked out and you can believe the doctor 
because there's no better place to go than a doctor to check out these physical symptoms. Now, if it becomes repetitive over and over and over and you need convincing, then it's more of like a mental thing than a, than a physical thing. And you can attribute that to when I get stressed out, my heart will start pounding and leave it at that. Don't try to create a story. Don't try to fill in the blank because we do that. We create these stories and it's, it becomes a habitual thing where we don't even have this, that, yeah, my heart, what could be wrong with my heart? It's more, this is what's wrong with my heart, right? Or we don't have, I'm stressed out. So physiologically, my heart rate is going to go up from stress. The flight or flight, flight or fight response is ingrained in our DNA from however long humans have been on this earth. It's how we survived back in the day when there was danger and today in a different lifestyle, our flight response is normal. And so you have to accept the fact that my body's going to do these things when I stress it out through thinking. Now there may not be danger because danger is real, right? There is a danger can be real, but the stuff we create on our own through storytelling inside our mind is not necessarily real. It may seem real. The response is very real physically, but are you really in danger? Or has it become a habitual thing where we create the story that we tell ourselves often enough that it's just like brushing our teeth in the negative sense of the matter. I want you to think about that. But moving on from that, physical symptoms, if you can figure out what yours are, name down three or four of them, and know when you go into situations, this is what's going to happen if I get anxious. And focus on those physical symptoms. Because once you name anxiety for what it is, it loses its power. Right? It's like a vampire. You you shine uh, sunlight on it, and it's going to die. Now, naming it anxiety is not going to kill it, but it's going to deflate it a little bit. And the more you do that, the more it deflates. And the longer you're away from a panic attack or a really anxious time, the less hypersensitive you are to things that make you anxious. All right. So what are some of the physiological symptoms? Excessive worry. Um, that's pretty straightforward. We all know about that one. Irritability. Uh, mood changes, you know, that's that's something that I dealt with over the years. I didn't know that that's what that was, that it was attributed to my anxiety. But if you're under-rested, you're always worried, you're in a negative spotlight in your mind, you're going to be irritable. I mean, there's not a whole lot of happy going on when you're, when you're super anxious or hypersensitive to anxiety. Um, impatience. And this is probably where a lot of you guys are that are struggling is you're impatient. You want to fix things right now. You want to be done with anxiety. And I, I completely understand that. And, and that's, you know, the beginning of the show, and I'll never forget the night, is I, I was crying in my bed, and it was like 3 in the morning. I'm like, and I made a pact with myself that if I ever got out of this, I'm going to help as many people as possible. But I was like, I want to have it be gone tomorrow. Now, it wasn't until many, <clears throat> excuse me, many years into my healing that I remembered that night. Uh, just through, you know, continuing to dig in and heal that I was like, oh yeah, I did say that. And that's what I was like, what else can I do? I, I, you know, I thought about doing a book and I thought about doing an ebook and then I thought about doing, um, a YouTube channel. And then one of my friends was like, we should just do a podcast. I'm like, oh yeah, I could figure that out. And I'm much better at just speaking about this stuff than writing it down on paper. 
And so that's where that came from. But the impatience to heal is you want to be done with this anxiety tomorrow or right now. But just like losing weight, just like anything you do in the gym, if you put in the hard work day after day consistently, consistent time or consistent effort over time, it's going to help. So set yourself up for success and look long term. Just like if you'd go for the quick fix for weight loss, it's not going to last. But if you work day in, day out and chip away, you know, climbing a mountain is done one step at a time. So is healing from anxiety. So be patient and and hang your hat on good days that you've taken steps forward. That will kind of curb some of that impatience. Another physiological symptom is feeling on edge. And this is pretty straightforward. You're like, you're always kind of antsy. You're always kind of like looking for an exit. I remember driving through towns looking for a hospital just in case I had a panic attack. Just always on edge. Uh, Fatigued, yeah. If you're not sleeping, you're not sleeping well, you're going to be tired. Vivid dreams, oh boy. I've had some doozies over my lifetime. I'm I'm sure you guys have too. It's like you wake up and you're like, what the hell was that all about? And I used to have so many of them about the military, and I've never been in the military. And if you're listening to this, you know, thank you for your service if you are. And I have no idea why I would have military ones, but that was the most repetitive one over the years when my anxiety was really cranked up. I have no idea what it's about. I tend not to like overanalyze dreams because they're just dreams. But um, yeah, I'm sure there's something to that, but I just don't dig into it. It's just like, huh, isn't that interesting? Uh, mind racing, you know, you're, you're going a thousand miles a minute in your brain, and that's pretty pretty straightforward for people with anxiety. Um your mind going blank. You've been asked a question and so you know that you should know the answer, but it's just gone. For me, it's people's names <laughs> and it's, it's embarrassing, but it's like, well, yeah, that's gone out of my brain. Um, indecisiveness, having trouble making a decision because you're worried about the consequences. Um, and that's, that's another good one too. Um, you know, when you're looking at, at healing, if you can lay out your values, it gives you some, some guidelines and some boundaries to say yes or no to things. It's an easier way to um, uh, navigate decision-making rather than being caught off guard and you're like, I have no idea how I should answer this. Well, if you can kind of go back to what you value and what you believe, then you can kind of find like your, your out-of-bounds or like your sidelines in, a, in a, like a football field or a soccer field. Like if, if the thing that you have to decide on lands outside your values and beliefs, then it's an easy no. Um, difficulty concentrating. Yep, for sure. Uh, you are at work. You know that you should be working, but you're thinking about 3,000 other things in your life. Yeah, for sure. And decreased memory. Yep, got it. And then behavioral. Uh, this is the last one we'll do here. Um, it's obsessive compulsive behavior. Now, I was one that would... Um, drink to mask pain, both physical and emotional. And I didn't realize it at the time because uh, I was always someone that could just stop and I would do this for years and years at a time um, or months at a time and just stop. But I was still left with the pain I was feeling. Now I, I'm a different kind of case because I had nerve pain, I had joint pain, I had physical pain, and I was also someone that had the emotional and mental pain of what I was going through. Now, I've dug deep enough to get behind the the mental and emotional and know what's causing that. And there's still some new stuff that comes up because I'm still digging. Um, and so I, I no longer have to have that crutch to fill that, that pain. 
Um, I, I eat differently. I take care of myself. I have a freezer that's retrofitted in my garage that is currently at 42 degrees and I try to sit in there every day, um, you know, for the physical pain. And so I'm doing the work behind the scenes to get away from that obsessive compulsive behavior. But I understand like for me, like I was talking about trying to find a hospital in every town I went through, that's a little obsessive just in case I need to know where a hospital is just in case this happens. I have to have this by me all the time, just in case I have to have this here. I have to have these things this way. I have to have this, this way. I have to have this, this way. It's one way of enacting control when you don't feel in control. So if you know that you have some of these obsessive compulsive behaviors, it's based in um, wanting to control your environment because you feel out of control in certain aspect of your life. And so that, that would be a, a great avenue for you, to, for you to explore is learning to let go of control, which even saying that probably scares some of you, but know that it can be done. And, and this actually was talked about in that Mel Robbins book that I talked about in the last episode, uh, Get Control of Your Life. It's a fantastic book. Please read it. Um, it can be a game changer for some of you. It, it really uncovered a big thing for me that doesn't seem like a big issue. And it's not something I addressed in any of the times I went to therapy, but when I really looked at it, I was like, oh my God, that <laughs> was like, you know, the fork in the road where my life took a different direction. And it was just a small thing that I didn't even realize. It was like, wow, that was a huge change in my life. And it, in the big scheme of things, it wasn't a big deal and it turned out okay, but it was a tremendous shift in my mindset to get to the point of saying screw it in a lot of things and so now that i've identified that i can be like oh all right well that's my tendency to say screw it because of this situation in my life that happened 22 years ago no it was longer than that 24 years ago so anyways um phobic behavior now i totally get this because i am claustrophobic and <clears throat> now I, I, I'm not really sure where the claustrophobia comes in. It could have been from getting beat up as a kid. Um, it could have been, I don't even know. But um, phobic behavior is being overly, not overly, that's, a, that's not the right word, but having certain things that terrify you, snakes, animals. Um, you know, for me, it was flying at one point. Um, but like phobic behavior is a sign, obviously, of anxiety. It's based in fear. I won't go too deep into that one. We can talk about phobias in another episode, but um, avoidance of situations. How many times have you gone to a social thing if you have social anxiety and you're sitting in your car and you're like, I don't want to go in. And, and they always say that the hardest hardest door to get through is your car door, you know, for, so, for people with social anxiety is your car door, like getting out of your car and going inside into a social situation. That's that's a really big sign that you do have anxiety if you're if you're one person that avoid certain situations or talking to people about X, Y, or Z or, um, confrontation is a huge one for people that, um, you know, avoid confrontation at all costs. It's going to come back and bite you in the butt. Now there are certain ways to have healthy confrontation. So I would look at that avenue. If you're someone that just completely avoids confrontation is how do I have healthy confrontation? Because that kind of knowledge can save you some anxiety. And, the last one here that I have is distress in social situations. Like if you don't feel safe in social situations, 
you know, and, and I've, I've worked with people over, like even in a gym, like some people don't feel safe in a gym and for people that don't have anxiety, they just, they don't understand that part. But for people that do, it's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. So there's some of the symptoms of anxiety. And like I said at the beginning and throughout, it's once you know that you can say when this stuff pops up for you, you can be like, oh, okay, that's my anxiety. Wow. Okay. I didn't realize that that was that big of an issue that that pops up and I do this and I do that. But then you have something to like research and say, okay, when my stomach does that and then my heart does this and then I can feel it in my face, that's my anxiety. What do I, how long is that going to last? What, how can I get through that faster, but still be able to, for me, perform or give my talk or give my speech, but yet not avoid it? Because I've done that and I did that for many, many years. And, you know, we're one year into the podcast here um, and there's stuff that's coming up and it's, it's happening. Like I'm, I'm going to have to, um, get over that. And I, I've, you know, I've drugged my feet on it, but you know, it's, it's kind of like the, the train is out of the station. There's no stopping it now. Like, you know, it's like if you were to squish all the toothpaste out of a tube of toothpaste, there's no putting it back in. I mean, you could try, but it's going to be messy. And that's where the show is at now. It's, I mean, we're at a point where, um, I'm going to be asked to, do some stuff that I really don't want to do, but I know it's going to be beneficial for the people that are attending. Um, one thing that's coming up is there, uh, an old competitor of mine, I would say. No, someone that I played in high school sports is a pastor at a church. And he asked me if I would do a Facebook live, um, and talk about anxiety. And it's, it's a, a church that is doing stuff for families at home right now. And I'll post the link to it on social media and on the website. But, um, at first I said, yes. And this is something, this is, I don't know if I've talked about this on the show yet, but anytime I'm asked to talk, I say yes, because I know it's going to benefit me. But in my mind, (laughs) everything is screaming. No, but I just say it before my mind takes over. And so that's just something I, like, I was, a something that I learned in therapy. Um, now there's stuff I say, I say no to all the time, but this one was like, yes, I'll do it. And now I got to figure out how I'm going to do it, but I'm prepared for it. Um, but then there's also some speaking stuff that's coming up. Obviously that's going to be a little farther away with our current quarantine situation, but, um, I'm going to do some seminars and then I'm going to do a bigger talk probably at the auditorium at some, at some point. Um, but it's time, you know, it's, I've, I've kind of, um, not done this to myself, but I, I've, I've gotten to a point where I know that it's going to benefit so many people and, um, the feedback that I get and then the conversations that I have, I know it's time to do stuff like that. And so I'm going to start pulling trigger on that. I'll keep you guys posted on that. Um, I'll, I'll try to get it filmed, recorded and all that kind of fun stuff. So you guys can listen to it and, you know, experience it as well. And I think that's it for the show guys. That was about, uh, well, we're already over 30 minutes here. So thank you for tuning in once again. Please submit questions through the website, through social media, DM me, email me at anxietywad at gmail.com for any of the topics you guys want me to cover. Um, I got more to come. I'm going to be doing some uh, guests on here. I, I know I said that before, but I actually have contacted some and I have some uh, interviews set up and some podcasts set up to talk to these people. So have yourself a peaceful morning, afternoon, or evening. And keep coming back, guys. I promise we're going to figure this out. We'll see you later.